Three, two, one. And that growl you heard is the fifth word wildcat. I am KG, and you're listening to another podcast installment of the KG and Fifth Ward Wildcat. Everyone out there in Internet Land, how are you doing? Hope you're doing a great. Hope you're doing great. We're in a nice cozy little spot here. We won't in a secret little lair that uh, is a secret, and it shall remain a secret to the Wildcat. Or I decide to let you know where we're doing this podcast from. But no, Wildcat, how are you doing, sir? I don't know. I, I watched a bunch of college basketball this week. Crap. And I'm not happy. I'm truly not happy. I went on the road and watched the game. Came back to Houston and watched two. And and where was, were you on the road? You were in Austin, were you not, sir? To uh, uh, watch um, Iowa State and uh, uh, Cyclones, women's basketball, against the UT Longhorns. And for anyone out there wondering, well, I can't, why don't you go to Austin to watch a struggling Longhorn team play Iowa State? But Iowa State has a player from the Houston area, correct, sir? That is correct, sir. And she is home? No, no, I want you to tell everybody, because well, we saw her mom today. She's part of, the, part of the Cougar legend. Yes. But, but for whatever reason... Well, it's like in Zeddy. That's a whole other story. She didn't land in Cougar Land. Her daughter is. That's so sad. That's another story. Yeah, recruiting recruiting is is a topic that is topic that for another day, but not too far along though, because we will make that comment, especially when we get to uh, our favorite weekly spot yearly run. The women's final four in New Orleans. Yes, sir. That's in April. That's that's coming up quickly. Yes, yes, it is. But getting back to the present, uh, her name is Fallon Ellis. She is a uh, sophomore. Am I correct? I think so. Yeah, uh, that, that, that's, that should be right. So yeah, I was uh, State Cyclones playing for Coach Bill Finley. Finley, great coach, uh, great guy, basic and uh, patient, uh, bigs, well coached, wings are. Taught to defend, shoot to three, as, as Coach Finley says, that's what we do. We get in our half-court offense, we set up, we get become patient, get our open shot, shoot our three, and we head back down court. But enough about the, the non-Houston area teams for the moment. So we back in conference we're USA? Talk about some are we back in conference USA? As a Houston Cougar alum. I'm asking, are we back in conference USA? Uh, Conference USA and Conference USA 2.0 as well, which is you know, maybe the Big East, but still Conference USA 2.0. So, so what you have the TV rumor deal that ESPN reported Saturday evening, which was the amount of money NBC is offering to the whatever is left of the Big East is really minuscule that I know my fellow alums hoped would be the Cougars would receive oh, a few months ago when UVA decided to make the move to the Big East to the reported amount, the TV deal is 23 to $25 million, I believe, based on, you know, if it's 11 or 12 teams in the, the Big East Conference USA 2.0, which comes out to about $2 million per team. Oh, last year, when we started doing podcasts, the amount was reportedly hoped to be $10 million per team. Correct. So a lot has happened since then. Um, but we'll talk about the TV deal and the amount in a few moments. Now, Saturday afternoon. There you go. We start there. I was in Hall Finals Pavilion for a matchup 
oh my goodness, between the Houston Cougars and the Tulane Green Wave. Cougars started out red hot, made nine of their first ten baskets, but the problem was they turned the ball over eight times, only about five points. <laughs> they kept going, led by 14 at halftime. Things look good. They're leading by 19, second half. Mind you, they came from behind against SMU last Saturday, down by 19 points to win a game in overtime. After that game, Coach Dickey said, we grew up today. We grew up. This could be things a sign of things to turn around in a positive direction. So Saturday afternoon, the Cougars are leading Tulane by 14 points with eight minutes left in the second half. Some folks started leaving. But the game was well in hand. But little did we know that the Green Wave would decide to go into four-court pressure defense and the Cougars would turn the ball over repeatedly and watch Tulane walk them down and then earn an 88-85 victory in front of a stunned and dejected and speaking for a few alums, I, I will go ahead and say pissed off alums to see the Cougars blow a 14-point lead in, a second, in, in eight minutes. Tulane scored 33 points in the final eight minutes of the ball game. We dominated the second half score. I scored the Cougars, I think, 32 to 16 in the paint. Everything went wrong down the stretch for the Cougars. They committed six turnovers. They didn't make a basket in the final eight minutes. It was everything that could go wrong, did go wrong for the Cougars. They couldn't get stops. Post-game videos you can see on my YouTube channel at Houston Round Ball. You can listen to Coach Dickey. Very matter of fact, say team is, is not tough enough uh, physically, mentally. The defense is lacking. Wildcat, this team relies so much on their offense that if, if their offense, well, when their offense struggles, they carry that over to the defensive side of the floor and can't make stops, won't get stops. And let, let me be clear, the defense is already garbage to begin with. But when their offense is struggling, the, the defense goes from garbage to crap. And instead of winning, it's not a winning combination. The Cougs are now 3-6 and six in Conference USA, 14-8 overall. And, and we, you and I both know the majority of those 14 wins were, were, not, were over a average at best, best week at worst non-conference schedule. So there are some more rumblings about Coach Dickey being, being gone at the end of the season. Heck, I was on one more message board. Folks wanted Coach Dickey to turn in his paperwork after Saturday's loss. That's how upset they were about that. And uh, Mac Rhodes, AD, he hired Coach Dickey. Some folks blaming Mac for for that hire. That's another issue. We'll see if Mac is around much longer. Keep in mind now, Friday was a great day in the University of Houston history. They had a groundbreaking ceremony for New Football Stadium. It was a proud day. But everything that went from euphoria to crap in 24 hours with the fellas, the basketball team just gave a game away. Um... I really don't know what to say. I'm my surprise. I really am my surprise. And to go back to our last podcast, we hinted at something that did take place. The Rice Owls picked up their one Comets USA victory thus far this season. Over whom? <laughs> over the Houston Cougars. Over the Houston Cougars, 79-69. And, and with the same problem issue that we saw today, which we will get to later, that happened at, that night. Point guard play. Correct. It's, it's, Rice has three point guards, that are two good point guards. Cougs have three. If you add them all up, 
It may be four. half of a good point guard. <laughs> it may be four. Uh, <laughs> because everybody's touching the ball these days. It, so I'm it, trying, it, trying, to, trying to handle it, trying to solve things. And I, since I touched on it, and thank you again that you listened to the KDF Pittsburgh Wildcat podcast, I touched on the, a, a great moment in UH history on Friday, followed by a disappointing loss on Saturday. Sunday, as we're doing this podcast, oh, a couple hours ago, we saw a comeback victory for the women by the UH women to stop the losing streak. They came from 14 down in the last 14 minutes to beat Rice to get some redemption for UH basketball versus Rice, led by Porsche Landry. The Cougars won today, uh, Sunday afternoon, 53-51. Didn't shoot very well. But they did just enough to win. Both teams, I think, shot around 30% for the ball game. Landry scored 15 points in the second half. She just uh, three assists. She was responsible for 21 of the Cougs, 29 points in the second half. The Cougs needed the victory. Uh, they're not four and five in Conference USA. The Owls fall at two and seven in Conference USA. After the game, uh, Rice head coach Greg Williams fell on his sword. He really did fall on his sword. He took the blame for the loss. Took the blame for the team's poor performance down the stretch. You and I have seen this numerous times this season. You've seen the Owls blow leads. Right. Uh, the, the, and what it reminded me of, and I said in an earlier tweet today, uh, right about the same time, uh, the UTEP game. Had the lead, couldn't hold on. Point guard play became an issue going down late. And def- missed defensive assignment at an inopportune time killed him. They killed him in that game when a missed assignment, didn't get a rebound, didn't step out, didn't block out. UTEP got the ball back, knocked down a jumper. Now Rice has got an inbound, come the length of the court, and attempt to get a shot with the clock running off. Same situation today, same result. Conference play, two games at home, that's what happened. Now, in the process, hopefully, at some point, it has to get across, as Coach, uh, Coach Williams mentioned today, you know, a lot of it falls on him, but you and I have been, been watching this for a while. At some point, players got to take responsibility for their actions out on the floor. Which leads me to a question I have for you. And one of our colleagues, I won't mention his name because I don't want to really put words out into his mouth publicly without him saying it. One of our colleagues has brought this up. Whose fault is it? We're talking college level now. If a, if a team is not playing well, is it the coach's fault? Is the head coach's fault, coaching staff, or is the players for not executing what is designed in the huddle? Two folks, two answers. When it's a dictatorship, it's a dictatorship. That means it's all on the coach. As usually happens in high school. In college, it's still a dictatorship, but you're looking beyond most some upperclassmen are looking beyond and having aspirations of playing on the next level and looking to get a paycheck out of this somewhere down the road but late in the game you always hear about muscle memory well basketball memory should, should step up if you've been playing this game long enough you should recognize the pattern and at some point you either, you either got to take hold you remember the, the early in the season, in the game against Texas Southern, post game, 
two players, well, not, uh, no, three, uh, three players that were in the post-game interview all said the same thing. We've already lost preview. We cannot lose to Texas up. We just can't. They came into a timeout, and Coach Dickey mentioned it also, that the players basically took hold of that, that game toward the end. At Rice, the women have not yet. On the men's side, and the reason I mention that is because of what had, they are struggling also, but their situation is totally different. They don't have bigs. And at one point yesterday in that game, they had five guards out on the floor trying to get back in. SMU would just, just recognize that they was they were bigger and stronger. They had an inside presence. They used it. Today, you've got a player in Portia Landry. you got a player in Jessica Custer. One player put the team on the back, win. The other player put the, uh, wasn't able to, to get to that mental state, <coughs> excuse me, and put the team on the back and pull it out. Just make two losses. Somewhere the mind's got to meet either in the middle or something has to take hold. And Custer said after the game, you can listen, listen for yourself, watch for yourself on my YouTube channel and Wildcats as well, how she still can't get, it hasn't hit her yet. Well, she said that same thing in earlier losses, that it hasn't hit her yet. This is not the first time Rice has blown leads this season. And it's, it's the same happened. Rice women's side, the same has happened for the UH women's side this year, same time for UH men's side this year. Jerry, we are covering some really bad basketball play this year locally. Now, you brought up a topic, you mentioned something in, in, uh, in during halftime about the field goal percentage of this conference overall. It's hard, right now, it's, 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 it's in the 30s. It's in the 30s. Now, mind you, it's women's basketball. And so there's a couple of coaches and all that, you know, commentators that mentioned, you have that. But for a conference that's been in existence, that's, that's looking to expire to get multiple teams into the tournament, the 30s should not be where you want to be or think about or accept when you're, trying to get to, when you're trying to get the postseason play. And a, for whatever reason, across this conference, Everybody's just happy with getting a win, no matter how they get it. And field goal percentage at, in the 30s is becoming acceptable. And that's that's a, that's that's the key word. It's acceptable. Uh, the the defense is good to a point. Uh, you know, Tulane plays good defense. SMU plays good defense. Utah plays good defense. And we're talking about the women, but the same issues on, on the fella side as well, because. Men's college basketball overall, the scoring is down, shooting numbers are down, defense is, has gotten to a point, and I don't even want to say this because I'm a defensive guy. I like defense. I believe that I'd much rather see defense than 150 to 140 ball games. But at some point, if you have an open shot and you miss, that's not good defense. Right. Because rebounding has gone up across the conference overall on both sides. And because of that, that's what's going on. Like today, Rice, uh, three-point shooting was zero. Zero for eight. And it kept, I mean, you know, it's, yeah, you trick your shots, your spots and all when you want to take a shot. But when you're getting the contested, if one of your strengths is shooting free throws, make that work for you. Don't make it work against you. If you read my blog on yesterday, my report, 
for a uh, rice man. That was the first thing I mentioned yet. And, and where in your blog, people can find a blog at, sir, where? At akswdcsr.blogspot.com. And we're going back and forth, but the issue is the same. I mean, the women's college basketball scoring is down, shooting is down. But rice women, specifically right now, Dallas shot 17 free throws in the first half and made 13. They only shot five in the second half, made four. So that to me seems like you stopped attacking and you stopped being aggressive in the second half. You stopped getting to the foul line. If you can't shoot threes, attack the basket. Find something else. The Cougs, Cougs only, they split their free throw attempts down evenly, nine in the first half, eight in the second half. But poor Slander went into attack mode and, and she was six for nine herself on the floor. And Jessica Custer said it after the game. Greg Williams said it after the game. They did not have an answer for Port Landry. If they haven't had an answer for Port Landry her, her entire time at U of H. This is Landry's se- senior year. She has dominated Rice since her freshman year. I would have had no answer for her, period. They tried bigger people on her today. It didn't matter. She went to attack much. She was, didn't play a lot in the first half because of, because of foul trouble. But the second half, she went to attack mode. She changed her mindset. She, as Coach Buchanan said after the game, she will not allow the Cougars to lose today. And she came through in the clutch. Now, I'm not saying this is going to be a wake-up moment. A wake-up for the Cougars because who knows? They've, really, they've lost four in a row for a reason before they went over rights today. The confidence was shot. Um, they, they didn't want to take shots. They passed up shots. They were almost too aligned on, on Portland, but the defense lacks. The rebounding in key moments was was lacking. So we'll see. They have Tulsa on Thursday at home on Valentine's Day. Come on to the game. You know, I don't like to boast and try to pump up attendance, but Cougs basketball, women's basketball, is lucky to draw 300 folks. Lucky. They'll say 300 in the final box score for attendance, but that's not true. Today's crowd had 537. Seemed like more than that. Okay, maybe that's because everybody was set closer down for TV because game was broadcast on Fox Sports. But who knows? But it seemed like a bigger crowd than the 537 that was announced. They were loud. They were kind of stunned seeing the Cougars come, from, come back into the game. But Rice has to fix things. Do you think Greg Williams' job is in jeopardy? Let's throw it out there right now. Here at Rice... Uh, this is just an outside observer. My answer to that would be, as long as they're competitive, I think everything is okay. Is, is that, that you talking or is that Rice that, administration talking? Because but, you, you and I covered Rice when Chrissy McKinney was here her last few years, and they kicked butt. They went to the tournament, they went to postseason play. They got things done in conference play. And that is a mindset from up top. Now, the difference is different administration, different atmosphere, but the same up front. It, that hadn't changed. Meaning, administration, board of regents, folks that are in charge of academics and all around here, that will, that will never change. That will never be compromised. So, my answer to your question would pretty much be, if they're competitive, it doesn't embarrass the, comp- uh, the, uh, the the school, and things are okay. They're graduating. 
everything's fine. He may be in, it, it, it may be a question, but right now I would have to say no. Because I, I, I don't know what his contract status is. Uh, just like, you know, which, uh, he should have two years left on his deal, I believe. I think, because I think it, well. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, it's, it's, that's just the way I see it. Because they, at Rice here, they, doesn't look, they don't look at it as uh, athletics is pretty much something that you do to keep occupied when you're not going to class. And that's true. And, and uh, I mean, <laughs> here at Rice, that, 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 that is right. That is mentality. That is correct. Real quick, I want to go through some scores of other Houston area uh, basketball teams. HBU Huskies women were defeated Saturday by New Orleans 65-58, while HBU men won in overtime, came from behind to a win in overtime, defeated New Orleans 75-68. HBU men won five in a row. Kudos to uh, Coach Cosselman and fellas over there. Uh, they're 9-14 overall. Women are 4-18, but that's an improvement over last year's dismal record. They only won one time, and that was a, like against a non-Division one opponent. Prairie View A&M women finally scored some points. They defeated Grambling State 83-49, improved to 65 in the SWAC, 9-12 overall. The men also beat Grambling State. They won by 10, 63-53, so PV picked up road wins yesterday, Saturday afternoon. The PV Saturday men night. needed that. They, they oh, no needed doubt. Win. They needed that win big time after getting just plastered Saturday evening, February 2nd, by Texas Southern, 84-48. Game wasn't even that close. Yeah, I mean, it was just a butt-whipping. You were there? Omar Strong went off 35-point Omar, I mean, he made nine threes, I believe. One of those threes, Jerry, I promise you, was from Sunnyside. I mean, it was hey, that. That's a long wave of there. Was. Long wave. I mean, he was on fire February 2nd. TV had no answer for Omar Strong in that guard. Mike Davis, as we get to it, coach, issue. Head coach. Coach, head coach. coach Mike <laughs> Davis has his, the fellas 9-2 in the swag. Now it's Saturday, uh, February 9th, victory over Jackson State. Road win, one by 7-61-54. Omar Strong scored 19 points in that game. Female basketball, Coach Cooper Dyke, Cynthia Cooper Dyke. Lady Tigers have won 10 in a row. They're 10-1 in the swag, 13-9 overall. Was a 67 win. That should be, uh, I want to say March. <laughs> we can get that real quick. But uh, they're 13 and 9 overall. We know they still need to win the SWAC championship to go to the NCAA tournament. But, but dare I say, Wildcat, that TSU Lady Tigers are the best women's basketball team in the city of Houston. Would you agree with that? Well, you know, I've. I've been that's road road trip. I said I said the city of Houston. Okay. City of Houston. Okay, yeah. I'm not, I'm not counting A&M and you know well, around here. And I will I will include Beaumont in that also because Lamar women's basketball right now is not what it what is what it well, you know, that, that, that is true also. Uh, it must be in March because I don't. It's not even on that schedule. But uh, and keep in mind, listeners. No, no one expected Lady Tigers to beat ten and one in SWAC this year. Oh no, that group that's coming in this next year. The recruiting class that Coop has is bring, and our staff are bringing in is supposed to really roll things. We talking about winning a place. We talking about winning non-conference games that would yes. set them up to, to qualify for postseason play just on a non-conference schedule. TSU plays Southern at H and P E on Thursday, February twenty eighth. 5.30 tip-off, and that will be for first place because Southern is also uh, only has one loss in the SWAC. So, 
now. That should be a, a very again. I'll have to be entertaining from from work to get there, but I'll get there in time for that because I want to see that game right back. That should be an excellent matchup. And the SWAC tournament will be in Garland a few days after the Big 12 right. championship. And you and I will be in Big 12. You're going to go to the SWAC as well. One day. And then I'm. Listen, this is basketball time. We're getting the tournament time. This is Wildcat and I. This, this is what we. It's our bread and butter here. So That's you, right. This is what we, we'll be doing. So. And the, the, matter of fact, the Wildcat schedule is Big 12, uh, 9, 10, and 11th. First day of the SWAC. And then the 13th, 14th, I'm headed out to Vegas for Mountain West and WAC. And then I'm from there, 15, 16, the Tulsa for Conference USA. And then it'll be setting up for NC2A postseason. And if things work out like we hope, the issue could be the representative for the SWAC in women's basketball. And if that occurs, based on what you and I know, based you know, on our appearances, three appearances at the mock selection, when the SWAC, most likely the SWAC will be the 64th seed in the tournament, which means they'll TSU will be a 16th seed again, playing a number one seed. Oh, number wow. one seed will be Baylor, barring so there's a collapse, which I don't see happening. Right. Which means TSU will be in Waco because Lady Bears are hosting the first two rounds. Right. So that will set up a Cynthia Cooper Dyke, Kim Mulkey. Sideline matchup and, and Brittany Griner going against people she probably knows. So that would be interesting. This game won't be close. Now, this is going to tell you the other part. Ten of minutes, but who knows? I'm going to tell you the other part of that that's, that's interesting. I always remember that after that USC squad, if I'm not mistaken, uh, she, they were both uh, opposing teams at that time. A lot of taking USC, I think, when they uh, either done AA, uh, AIA. Yeah, AIAW, uh, the first NC2A uh, uh, division championship game, uh, team. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think they were on opposing squads. Uh, Cynthia was on that squad with, at USC at that time. Well, yeah, Cynthia played with, with uh, Cheryl Bell and the McGee twins. So we'd have to go back and you know, do some checking to see if LaTeX played USC in one of those championship games. The USC won back-to-back titles when uh, Coop was there and when Coop came off the bench. Which indicates how loaded USC was back then. And folks, don't ever forget that. <laughs> don't ever forget came that. Came off the bench, and she would tell you that. <laughs> but uh, shifting gears from college, let's go to talk about the Rockets and, and James Harden, and uh, who's this? He will be Player of the Week. James Harden had a, this outstanding, phenomenal week these past few days. Uh, Rockets led the Rockets. He scored 35 points. The Rockets 118-103 win on Friday night over the Portland Trailblazers. Harden was 13 and 16 from the floor. He had 11 assists. He followed. That was after he scored 36 points against the Heat on the road in a loss. But it was still an outstanding performance by Harden, which was a day after, a night after the Rockets lamb based it and blasted Mark Jackson, Golden State Warriors here in town Tuesday night was a 140 to 109 victory when the Rockets made 23 three pointers to tie the NBA record and then when Mark Jackson quote unquote went old school and refused to allow the Rockets to attempt another three point shot in the final three minutes to which could possibly set a new NBA record with their 24th made three and after the game Mark Jackson, the coach Mark Jackson said I'm an old school coach this is not, we are the new Golden State Warriors. We're going to be much harder, much more physical. This is not last year's Warriors team. We have different mentality, blah, 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 all this stuff. Okay, Mark, whatever. Where was your defense when the Rockets were lighting you up? 
for the first three quarters, shooting these threes all up in your players' faces. You played no defense till the last three minutes of the game, and the game was already over. If you just said what Coach McHale said after the game, which was, I had no problem with, Coach, with Mark D. Mark coaches team, how he wants to coach his team, that's fine. Simple as that. You can listen to Coach McHale's post game on my, round, my YouTube channel, Houston Round Ball. Close to the Rockets. They're 28-24. Sunday night, they begin a three-game road trip before the All-Star break. Playing Sacramento. Came in straight win. Now the Kings, where it is, Kings are moving to Seattle. Seems to be all, all but done. All but the dots. You know, I have died and T's cross. They're moving to Seattle. Sacramento, Mary Kevin Johnson is trying one final push. One hoping for a miracle home run by the ninth inning. To keep the Kings in Sacramento, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Davis Stern is, I mean, the paperwork's already been filed to relocate the team to Seattle, which would be so ironic that Seattle lost the team to Oklahoma City. Now they're getting the team from Sacramento. That's how the way that the NBA works. All-Star Week is coming up. Festivities, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday events. I was approved for that. I'm, I'll be at all those events. Uh, cover as much as I can, so check out HoustonRoundBarReview.com and see me on Twitter at T-H-E-H-R Review and YouTube. I'll post what I can on, on all that. Check out Facebook as well, RoundBarReview Facebook fan page. Looking forward to seeing uh, the game on Sunday evening, the, the slam dunk, three-point contest, the skills challenge on Saturday. It's a new format this year. The NBA has announced it's a West versus East kind of format, so hopefully it'll be more competitive. Uh, each side will accumulate points in whichever conference the players score the most points will win and the winner will go to charity so we'll see how that works out Saturday or Friday Coach Shaq versus Coach Barkley and the rookie sophomore challenge I believe that's going to take place at Toyota Center that should be interesting to see how uh, which one of the two of them Shaq or Charles actually coaches or cares or, or you know Takes, takes the game seriously. We'll see how long it takes them to take the game seriously. So check, check out the Round Bar View website for that as well. Wildcat. I'm listening. Give me your thoughts on James Harden and what he's meant to the Rockets this, this season. Uh, fan is in the seats. Has he done that? To a certain extent, yeah. Has he done more than you thought he would? As far as fans in the seats? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I have. Uh, I don't do a lot of comment on pro basketball because that's just not who I am. I just go and sit and watch, and that's it. But, uh, yeah, I, I am a, somewhat surprised and all. He's been able to flourish and all, you know, as a starter. Being at the time that he was at uh, OKC, um, he was the, was a six-man uh, coming off the bench and he would fill in as a starter when, somebody, when he, that injury occurred uh, to uh, take time lapse. But uh, what he's done here in Houston, he's changed the mindset. I mean, folks now are looking forward to a postseason play. Early. Which is surprising. Yeah, and I, I'm talking about, you know, it would have been a, it's acceptable to, to watch that happen after the All-Star break because that's when teams started jockeying for position. But since, i say, mid-December, folks are now starting to look at uh, the playoffs as a reality, especially what, you know, what's going what's been, have been happening in the league, you know, with teams either by injury, uh, age, like the, the Lakers, you know, that uh, turmoil and all in the, in the locker rooms and, and things. 
it's just interesting. So, you know, this week, and it's, you can come in on this better than I can, uh, won't be a, a vacation for the players this time around. Uh, they, they are actually coming to Houston to uh, conduct business because the players' union is really in a uh, disarray somewhat. Yeah. They've, they've got to make some changes from the top down. Yeah. Uh, union director, executive director Billy Hunter is uh, being put on paid administrative leave. Uh, Derek Fisher, president of the union, uh, put forth an investigation. They hired an outside firm to investigate some of Mr. Hunter's financial workings and dealings, and that report came back not too positively for Mr. Hunter. Didn't say he did anything illegal. Immoral may have been along those lines more accurate, but Billy Hunter said he didn't break the law. He just did a little funny money with some of his relatives and gave his son some business dealings and daughter, I think, one of the law firm, et cetera, et cetera. But long story short, uh, the players at some point this week during the All-Star break are going to vote and decide or probably decide whether to replace Billy Hunter because there's an interim executive committee right now in charge of the union. And that's going to decide if who they want to run the union, who they want to lead the union going forward. Derek Fisher's already said... He doesn't want to do it, despite rumors saying that that's what he's, he's trying to do. He said he's not, he doesn't want that. So the, the players are going to have, probably have to vote and decide who they want to be the, the next executive director. I'd much rather cover and follow the games and things on the court than this off-the-court stuff. But it is what it is. Things take place this week. I have to do what we have to do. Quickly getting back to La Tech USC Women's Basketball Championships. USC did play La Tech. In the 83 championship game, USC won, and they played them in the semifinal of 84, USC won. So Coop was a part of two teams, USC teams that beat La Tech at our t- in our time at USC. So You know how competitive both those two players are, and you know eventually they will schedule a uh, non-conference home-and-home situation. Because as they both talk to each other, they're not afraid. And that that's you know I, I don't I don't doubt that. Um, I mean, they just not afraid. TSU played Baylor when Coach Barton was here, here a few years ago. Right. So, I mean, you know that was Brittany's Brittany Griner's second or sophomore year, sophomore during the year. So you know, and I know we know you're not both. No, Coop was not scared to play anybody. So she would welcome the challenge to go up the way go and see see where the lead Tigers match up. So we'll see how all that. Plays out looking to the future because, as we have been told, as Coop has told me and has told you, the recruit she's bringing in can play. She's looking forward. She's looking more forward to next year, next year's squad, than this year's squad. And this year's squad, she's got 13 and 9 and 10 and 1 in the swag. And that team has exceeded everybody's expectations. So imagine what they're going to do in the future. Which leads me to one more thing as we wrap it up. On this KGM Pistol Wildcat podcast, I make no bones about it. I'm a proud University of Houston graduate. I'm a proud University of Houston alum. I am not thrilled with the state of my athletics at the school, especially on the basketball side, which is my bread and butter. It's HoustonRoundBarview.com. But Wildcat, would you be agreeable to... You're talking about making a, making a run? Making a change? Making a, making a run down the street? A head coaching change? You're talking about a, a run down the street? Coach Tanner Cooper Dyke to go from TSU to U of A to lead both programs? Would you be agreeable to that, sir? 
You talk about making a full scale run down the street and saying, "Come on over," and, and including that's what I'm saying. The a full AD, scale let's run. Get, they're all three of them. I want Charles McClellan to be the AD, Charles Bring aboard, Mike Davis, coach men, and coach Cynthia Cooper, and coach women. Would you be cool with that, sir? I'd be ecstatic with that. I would be ecstatic. I'm not sure if it could happen. If, if it if it were to happen, it would probably have to take two, three years for it to take place. I'm not going to just do free band and <laughs> take everybody up one school and bring over it one at a time. Well, see, the other, two things would have to happen. One, a strong AD that would go to the board and go to the president and say, look, do you want to change the way you look around here as far as, uh, you know, how things are, uh, are being done athletically? Do you want a self-supporting basketball program where you won't have to depend on the football to carry the, the financial load by themselves? At some point, you got to reach that. And your age is not at that point yet. Far okay. from it. <laughs> so, you just, I don't see why not. But it'll, it'll, it'll definitely will, it will take a strong athlete, uh, AD to, to get that done. Is that grow that person? He's a financial guy. Is that, that's a, the way it is. That's is that, is that a right note? Now. Is that a note? He's a financial guy. Wildcat, are you holding your tongue, sir? <laughs> He's a financial guy. <laughs> that's who he is. That's what he does. Okay. He hasn't hired a football coach yet. Since he has not hired a football coach yet, he has not hired a football coach yet. I, I, that's your that, that's your baby work right there for college football. Uh, are you saying Tony Levine? Is he has not hired a football <laughs> coach yet. I just look at the two guys previous to him that first year. Art Browse and Kevin Sumlin. And what transpired? And did they, was that and, a drop off? And they were hired by who? They were hired by Dave Maggot, who's a football coach. Correct. Who's a football guy. Correct. Mind you, he was one rings. And it was in the Olympics, too. Yes, he was. Okay. Uh, wrap it up. We touched on this earlier in the podcast. ESPN reported Saturday evening about um, TV deals for the Big East and the, for right now, the Catholic Seven schools. NBC is offering, oh, I'm going to get your take on this because this is, this is some, some stuff. Oh, yeah, because I want to, because I don't know whether you got the same information I did, but I, I, I got a, a Twitter. No, and, and I got a, you got a Yahoo uh, front page on, on some on some sports business, as they say. Go ahead. But the ESPN report uh, article, NBC Sports has verbally offered the Big East, or as I call it, the conference USA 2.0, 20, between 20 million and 23 million per year for six years. Fox Sports has offered the Catholic Seven schools between 30 and 40 million per year depending on how many teams are in the league okay Wildcat math is pretty much I'm good at math seven schools spend up money 30 million 40 million that's between roughly 4 million 4.5 million up to 6 million roughly per team NBC's offer to Big East schools 20 to 23 million is 2 million per team uh, I, I believe the Catholic Seven would be getting a better deal. Now, Mr. Ares, Oresco, Mike Oresco, correct, that's his name, yeah. current commissioner of the Big East, earlier in the week cited that any TV deal that he's working on would be involved would involve multiple networks. 
So the hope by UH alums is that the NBC this arrangement, the NBC deal is just one of two or three deals that the Big East will be able to get. If that is the case, then you say two million plus plus per network. Just say two million from each network. So that's six million. Right. If that's the case, I'm much happier with that. Now when you do that, what happens in the process is now you're splitting up games. Yes. And now you're splitting up games. And in basketball, you're really splitting them up because now you're changing day schedules, game day schedules. And you've got to balance it all out while everybody gets a shot, especially with your number one carrier, which will most likely be uh, CBS College. Uh, and then everybody else will fall in line as far as regional uh, cable networks. Then you now you're also talking about allowing each individual school to work whatever radio deal that they can and nobody is sharing just to keep them happy. But the other thing that I found out this week that, that came online this week and it was mentioned one day didn't see it again other than folks twittering and, and uh, mentioned on Facebook the original group that was looking to leave including Notre Dame, next season, when the conference changes, they are, season, they are a year away. So we're talking about 14, year 14, season 14, before anybody makes a move. Two things apparently has come up. The NC2A agreeing to an AQ and an at-large situation with these new conference forming up. Because when it's basketball when, when it, because when it's basketball you've got to allow for an AQ and an at-large spot correct on both the men and the women's side and I'm not if you're not sure AQ and now you've got, to, you, you've got a schedule change you've already got sites and already set up set up for at least what two two years in advance yes. on the men's side right you got to allow for those teams and all to readjust. Uh, well, the whole cities readjust and allow for uh, for travel, teams getting back and forth and all between game and game. And that's the way the NC2A sets it up. Apparently, that's been a snag. Because when the Mountain West was formed from the Big Whack, when it was the Big Whack with 16 teams, only one year they made the next, uh, made the announcement, and the next season, bam, they were off and running with TV contracts, an automatic qualifier, and an at-large. And that was a basketball conference that had turned into a football, and the basketball schools left, all because they didn't want to share the money. And now it's basically what you're back into another situation again, but the new Big East will most likely look like what the ATN is right now. Hopefully, it'll work out for them. But if NC2A kind of like, not so much steps in, but puts a kink in that armor, which is what everybody's waiting on, that may not happen as soon as they want it to. It may be instead of one year down the road, it may be two. Correct. And that, that's where we are, you know. So, so we'll see because I believe Notre Dame, uh, Coach Mike Bray and the AD said, Early in the week, they stand. 
that they would stay, because they believed that the Catholic Seven would stay one more year, which means the 2013-2014 season, the Big East would be as it is right now. Right. So, because they don't believe, because the Catholic Seven needs to get a commissioner, determine bylaws, championship rules, all those things need to be done. A lot of folks do not believe that will be done in time for the 2013-2014 season to happen. So that'll be one more year in the Big East, and then we'll see after that what goes on, because then 2014, Conference USA 2.0 slash the Big East will be UConn, bless their hearts, Cincinnati, bless their hearts, East Carolina, U of H, Memphis, Rutgers, Florida, SMU, Temple, Tulane, and UCF. Rutgers going to to, right to, to the Big Ten, right? Um, so we'll, you know, East Carolina will be a full member by the end. Then 2015, Navy will join the Big East. So we'll see. Like I guess as a Cougar alum, I hope that NBC deal is just one of two or three more network deals to go to the teams in the Big East for more money to come to the school. Because correct me if I'm wrong on this, and we'll wrap it up with this. Wasn't some of the money from the so the TV deal expected $10 million di- amount. Wasn't some of that TV money that the Cougars used for reasons to go to the Big East to join? Wasn't that counted on for a football stadium? Yeah, next season. So if the money is not $10 million, what's going, where are they, they going to make that, the difference nah. for that? Hopefully, your fellow alumni and yourself and MJ, I've, I've, I've made my donation for the year so far. So you know, <laughs> you and MJ and your and your, and your buddies, maybe y'all can can find something somewhere because that's what it's going to take to finish this stadium. That's yeah, exactly, and and that's why you and that's why I still say y'all are two years away from what from going in and playing. I'm gonna stick with that. I'm gonna stick with it because of, I understand a little bit about construction. But the one thing that, like you said, you know numbers, financing is not looking good right now. Uh, and, and that, that is my concern. I mean, at the groundbreaking ceremony on Friday, President Couture and everyone said that you, the football team will, will be playing at the new stadium in the fall of 2014. You're saying you don't think that's going to happen. And if it does, it'll be homecoming. And that's so far down the road. That's actually probably October, November. In 2014. Yeah. So we'll see. The naming rights is going to be a key. Now, if they're able to Mac Rose. Uh, yeah. He mentioned that, but he hit the home run with the naming rights. That's going to go a long way to for, to get all this wrapped up on a, in, in a timely fashion. And to wrap it up, there, Mac Rose did say at the ceremony that they are a little bit ahead of schedule towards the stadium completing the stadium. So we'll see. I hope really? That's what he that's what he said. So hopefully that will continue to go forward, and the money will come in. Name of rights will seal the deal, and August 2014 will be. I'll be happy with my season tickets, watching Cougar football, winning product. Hopefully we'll see how that all plays out. And Coach Levine's probably will be his third year because he don't think he's going anywhere for a while. Unless a lot of things happen. But where can folks find you, sir? You can find me online at aksvdcsrblogspot.blogspot.com. Also, you can find me at the same acronym, aksvdcsr, YouTube. Twitter? Twitter? Same thing. 
I am AKSV, the CSR, and that stands for HS. I got to remember my nieces and my nephews' names. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ashley, Kendra, Savance, and the College Sports Report. I thought it was a, was a king-size view. Yeah. It used to be. Oh, well, go ahead with your bad self then. Okay, Wildcat, thank you very much as always. And I am KG. You can find me at HoustonRoundBarView.com, on Twitter at T-H-E-H-R Review, YouTube, Houston Roundball, that's the channel. Facebook fan page for the Houston Roundball View is there as well. Videos, uh, tweets, all those things. You can find Wildcat and myself on the Internet, social media, supporters. Hope you appreciate what we're doing. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Tell your friends about it. And in conclusion, to wrap it up, be true, be cool, and do more. Rock.